The Blur Havoc podcast may contain content some may find offensive, vulgar, or inappropriate for work or school. All views expressed on this show solely belong to the individual that expressed them. Viewer discretion is advised. Hello and welcome to the Blur Havoc Podcast. I'm your host, Alistair Haken, and I just finished recording the 14th episode without realizing that I didn't record a 13th episode because I mentioned the season finale at the end of the 14th episode without a 13th episode, and I drunk moonshine that entire um, episode, so we're going to drink more moonshine while we're recording the 13th episode. You guys ready for this? This is going to be fun. This is going to be fun. All right. So we're gonna talk about we're gonna talk about something that I've mentioned a few times, but I've never actually uh, gone into detail about what we're talking what what I'm talking about when I say this, and that is tropes are tools. Now, what does that mean? Tropes are tools. Tropes are tools means that okay. First of all, we have to talk about what a trope is. A trope is. Not necessarily a cliche. You see, some people will say that a trope is a cliche. A trope is not a cliche. Let's let's get a let's get a a good definition of what a trope is. Trope, as defined by Merriam-Webster, a word or expression used in a figurative sense, figure of speech, a common or overused theme or device. You see, overused is is not necessarily you know it's not necessarily a bad thing. I wouldn't say it's over. I wouldn't say overused. There's a difference between trope and cliche. Is that a trope is a thing that you see that recurs in media, but a cliche is when it's used because it's popular and it's so no, it's so well known that it's not exciting anymore. Because the there's a the, the trope there's a trope such as precision f strike, which is my favorite trope, because it can you can use that trope to to basically show how serious something is or how some, someone is acting out of character because of how poignant the moment is. So precision F-strike is a great trope. I love that trope. However, there are cliches such as in horror movies when the victim or the person getting chased, the main character, runs up the stairs. That's a, that's a cliche because it happens so often. Now, I don't know how they how often it happens in horror movies these days, but that's something that's so well known that it, even horror movies lampshade it these days. Like it's parodied because there's it's a cliche. So, one thing you must remember when it comes to writing. God, that butterscotch moonshine is so good. One thing you have to remember when writing is that there as this page says, there is nothing new under the sun. There isn't. All of your all of your writing, every piece of work you you watch, read, or play is going to have tropes that another piece has. As a writer, you're gonna have to get over that. You're not gonna be able to make the most original work, right? There's no such thing as the original work. 
Maybe there is, maybe there isn't. We don't know. But you're not going to be, especially nowadays, you're not going to be able to make an original piece, an original story that has no tropes in it. Because, as a matter of fact, I, there is an article on TVTropes.com, The Tropeless Tale, which is a perfect example. I'm, I'm actually going to read it to you because I want you to understand that no matter how hard you try, you will not be able to write an original story. And the sooner you accept that, the more fun the writing becomes. So let's see here. I'm going to paraphrase this uh, this this paragraph in front of here. Duh. So you're going to try to write a tropeless tale, is what this is. You decide that you're not going to use them consciously or unwittingly. You browse the site, trying to steer clear of the tropes. You think about how not using them will restrict you from writing a story conventionally and how you might work around it. So watch this. This is what happens when you try to write a story that has no tropes in it. You can't have a hero or a villain. That's already pretty that's already pretty freaking hard, right? You can't have a hero or a villain. But then it hits you. Those two storytelling elements have been used by other stories means that they are tropes. Those are tropes. Heroes and villains are tropes. And then if you don't have that, that's also a trope to not have a hero or a villain. So then you begin to realize you can't have an action guy or a non-action guy. Nor can you have only men or only women. You can't write about anything you like. That might be fixable if you just write about what you hate. No, wait. You can't do that either. No matter how popular your story is, you cannot adapt it into a movie, a show, a video game, a board game, a comic book, an audio play, a pinball machine, a music, a pin, pinball machine, really? A musical, a novel, or any merchandise at all. It looks like you have no adaptations allowed. Wait, that's a trope too. You will not go overboard with your descriptions, but you can't limit those descriptions either. You will not have a narrative in your story. That means no dialogue, no conflict, no characters, no plot. Your story will be about the purely abstract, maybe even nothingness. Just a page or two describing the non-existent scenery that is utopia. Or maybe just describing nothingness. Well, that won't work either because that's a trope too. You should avert all tropes, but you cannot use averted trope either. Sounds like some sort of logic bomb. Well, you have to avert that now, too. See see how this works? How, like, you... Trying to make a, a story that has no tropes in and of itself is a trope. That's where you get subverted and averted and inverted tropes. It, it's beautiful how storytelling is one of man's oldest professions. The second oldest profession. We all know what the first one is, and it's a lot more fun than storytelling, I'll tell you that much. Oh man, I missed my mouth. <laughs> oh man, this moonshine's starting to hit me. So after all this, the end of the, the tropeless tale is that you can either come to two conclusions. You can't write a story without tropes and that's okay, or trying to write a story without tropes will make your head explode. Well, actually, no. The moonshine's hitting me. You come to both conclusions. You learn two things. See, I'm, I should read this. But tropes are tools. In the long run, 
is that these are these are things that that allow you to put a name and a face to something that you didn't know had a name or a face. Right? Such as the um like I said, the aforementioned precision F strike. Did you ever notice that in PG thirteen movies you can only use the word fuck once? Did you notice that? Well, I mean, I know the social network gets away with two of them, and Transformers Dark of the Moon gets away with two of them as well. But but in all actuality, you're not really al- allowed to use the F word more than like once or twice in a PG thirteen movie. Right? And that's why the precision F strike is such a is such a well-known trope because in PG-13 movies you can only use it once and it's gotten to the point where most people know this so let's see another trope is you see you have tropes such as mind screw where you try to like wrap your head around something and it only makes it more confusing when you see or hear something you just go oh what what is happening matter of fact we got a random trope button up here the madness makeover, which is a trope where as a character gets more and more disheveled and crazy and unhinged, their appearance changes to make them look a lot crazier. Like these are these are all tropes that these are all tropes that that are not cliches necessarily, but they are definitely storytelling devices that allow you to put a name to a storytelling thing that you've seen before, right? Even Blur Havoc uses tropes. The precision F strike is used quite often, actually. If I have to say, in Blur Havoc, Blur Havoc one, Melanie uses it. Blur Havoc two, Ozzy uses it. Blur Havoc three, I have to reread Blur Havoc three because I don't remember who uses it in Blur Havoc three. Oh yeah, Volana uses it in Blur Havoc three. I I remember now. But but the reason why you want to the reason why you want to actually take your time and look over some tropes is that you'll be able to put a word to it. And then when you see it in other, in other media, it allows you to compart- compartmentalize, I suppose. It allows you to take concepts and ideas that would take paragraphs to explain and use two to three words to be able to consolidate that into one package. Such as um, the... Oh, the token villain teammate, I believe is what it's called. Token evil teammate, that's what it's called. The token evil teammate, where you'll come across a... See, see how token evil teammate is about to consolidate everything I'm about to tell you. Token evil teammate is the trope in which you'll have a whole group of good guys, or at least not evil people, and you'll have the one guy that's on their team... That is so unbelievably evil. You have to, you begin to question, why are you even on the same team as the good guys? Like you get characters like that, and there's this. You scroll down, you see, there's a lot of there's a lot of instances in which this happens. Let's see if I can pick one that I've actually seen, because it's got to be a video game. I've played more video games than I've watched movies, to be completely honest. So. That means a lot. Oh, I can think of one off the top of my head. If I'm not mistaken, um, what's his name from Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic? Let's see if he shows up here. Uh, the the droid. I forget his name. HK, whatever, whatever. You know who I'm talking about. 
where he's he's like HK forty seven, that guy, yeah. He's like a guy that's like he wants to kill you, but because you're, you know, you're his master, something like that, man. It's been a while. But you see how the oh each E one two three Omega counts as a token evil teammate, where he's. He want his objective. His objective is to kill Eggman, while everyone else is just like, no, he's just in the way. We don't have to kill him, but there, he's just like, no, kill Eggman. And it's like, oh, okay, okay. Well, we can't stop him. So that's what tropes do. They allow you to take entire paragraphs worth of explanations and squeeze them all into a three to four letter phrase. Token evil teammate. Pepper sneeze. The trope in which characters, whenever they come across Pepper, they just start sneezing. Because it's a it's a you know, it's a thing that is we just know about. And it's just like I don't I don't think Pepper actually causes you to sneeze just by design. But But yeah, you can't canon foreigner. Which, you probably have heard of this concept before, but you didn't know that it had a word, a name to it. Canon Foreigner is when you take a character that exists in another canon and bring them into, you know, this already established canon. A good example being, um, it happens all the time in, like, video games where, like, they, characters that are, like, brought up in, like, one, one universe exists in that universe and then you have a spin-off and the spin-off doesn't do very well so they just merge the characters from the spin-off into the main show or video game like a good example i'd say a good example being in mass effect where before mass effect 3 kai lang was not necessarily a character you knew about until like he shows up in mass effect 3 and it's like who who is this ride in like bootleg ride and ripoff guy like who is this but if you read the books you know he was a character in the books and it's it like up until that point the books were kind of you know we didn't know if they were canon or not but then kyling's appearance in mass effect 3 makes the books canon so oh another example being in middle of middle of earth shadow of mordor the um the main character is a canon foreigner who what the hell um he's a main he's the main character who apparently is one of the people that forged the the rings he's he's the elf that forged the rings right or helped forge the rings i believe is what what that is no 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 the elf guy that possesses him is the elf that helped forge the rings and the main character is the ranger that got killed by Sauron's forces. It's been a hot minute since I've played that game, so I, pardon me. Um, but he's a canon foreigner because he was created outside of the main canon, but he was brought into the main canon through writing. Like it can come across as a he was he was his main character all along kind of moment, you know. And if I'm not mistaken, in one of the one of the endings for the second game, spoiler alert, I suppose, 
But in one of the endings for the second game, it's revealed that he turns out to be one of the ring wraiths that is killed in the third movie. So that's that's how you make whoops. That's how you take a concept as complex, complicated and wordy as that and squeeze it into two to three words. I know that Mahler does it too, where he he knows a few he knows a few of the um a few of the TV tropes. Me, I just I get bored sometimes when I'm at work and I just look at TV tropes because what else am I gonna do? <laughs> but TV, but but tropes are tropes are tools because they allow you to they can sometimes allow you to jog your imagination. Where if you didn't know about a trope, that um, let's see here, innocently insensitive. Oh, I already know what that is. Never mind. But if you didn't know about a trope and you come across a trope that you were unfamiliar with, you go, oh, I didn't know about that. And then you can implement it into your, your show. Holy Christ, what was that? Kill the cutie? Oh, well, that happens all the time, so I'm pretty sure I'm aware of that. Um, dare I say, uh, it, kill the cutie happens in Blur Havoc at one point. Ooh, who said that? Wow. It just got really awkward in here. Um, but yeah, TV Tropes is a great resource for writers because it allows you to get a get a grasp. For, it allows you to take the experience of seeing a thousand movies and consolidate it into neat little articles that allow you to put words to things you didn't know had words. Such as the instance, today's feature trope, Almighty Mom, which I can already tell you what that is. It's when the mom is, like a mother is able to stand up to this all-powerful demon monster thing and is just able to just stand toe-to-toe with him and be like, you don't touch my son, and the demon monster's like, I'm actually kind of scared of you. Like, there, there are tropes that put these wordy concepts into just a neat little package, and that's so awesome. But this is a personal recommendation from one Alistair Haken to, to, to take your time and look through TV tropes. If you are an aspiring writer, take your time to look through TV tropes because you will learn so much about writing. Not to mention there's sub, there's subverted tropes, there's inverted tropes, there's averted tropes, and forced tropes. Enforced tropes is when the author is aware of the trope and they they did it on purpose and then in 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 a future like behind the scenes stuff they admit yes this is that trope and we did it on purpose for such and such reason. It happens a lot more often than you think actually. But like enforced trope. Oh, and I didn't even know this. It can happen for a number of reasons. Executive meddling, where the studio steps in and um, and says that, hey, you got to put this trope in here because we say so, because we like it. Such as how in like 2000, from like 2010 to like 2018, all the superhero movies for some reason had to have portals in the sky and beams of light going into the air. 
that that was something that was just a serious issue for like a whole decade. And I can guarantee you it was because the executives had, hey, all the cool movies. Avengers had this trope, so go ahead and do it. Ghostbusters had it. Suicide Squad had it. Um, I'd say Guardians of the Galaxy 2 kind of had an inverted version of that trope. But studios are aware of, of tropes, and they will sometimes use their executive power to push those tropes into movies, such as... Let's not, let's not get too deep into this, but The Last Jedi and basically every product out of Star Wars since since Disney bought it, for some reason has to have Marvel-style humor in it. When, if you look at past Star Wars movies, trying to remain level-headed, if you look at past Star Wars movies, you'll see that Star Wars has never had Marvel-style humor. Star Wars has had humor, but not Marvel-style humor. Usually, Star Wars humor is kind of dry. It's kind of subdued. It's just the characters. With the, the interaction between the characters, that interaction is funny, but the characters don't say funny things, such as scruffy-looking nerf herder. The interaction is funny, but what they're saying isn't necessarily funny. Right? Even in the prequel trilogy, even though the prequel trilogy wasn't was indeed a bit darker than the original trilogy. There were moments of levity and and humor, but they were never over-the-top, gut-busting, like, slap-your-knee-funny, like The Last Jedi tried to be. And it's, it's very clear that in the Star Wars movies these days, the executives are saying, hey, you need to put Marvel-style humor in these movies because Marvel movies do gangbusters... And you need to put this humor in here because Marvel does it. And then even in Zack Snyder's Justice League and the Joss Whedon version, they the studio mandated you need to put more humor in it because people didn't like how dark and dreary Batman v Superman was. Batman v Superman was such an awful movie, but I what I appreciate the most about it was that it stuck to its guns and it was not afraid of just being a dark and dreary movie, which had little to no humor in it. I appreciate that. It's a it's different from Marvel, which I would have preferred if they stayed that way, which even before Zack Snyder, you know, got kicked off his own project and came back, which is still, even though my opinion has the, of the Zack Snyder Justice League has changed, I still think it's a big disservice and it's a, it's it's disrespectful to take this man's project from him. Regardless of how I feel about him, I still hold that belief. But even before he got kicked off the project, he was going to add a ton of humor into that movie. But the studio said, you need to make it funnier. Because people didn't like how dark Batman v Superman was. So, executive meddling is is how you can enforce a trope of Marvel-style humor. Marvel-style humor is a trope at this point. You get executive veto, which is the same thing, but the the studio says take it out because we said so. Such as Justice League again, the the studio said you need to make it less than you need to make it two hours or less because the first the the other two movies were too long, right? Moral Guardians. That means they they enforced the trope because they knew that the 
the politically correct police or the the parent the the Karen soccer mom parents would be like oh, this is not the right thing for the the society or whatever right Blech. um censorship bureau or media watchdog yeah same thing basically um I don't know what a necessary weasel is. See, this is the great thing about TV tropes is that you can read stuff and you'll you'll learn new things about writing that you never noticed. Okay, yeah, I'm not gonna read all this right now because that that that's that's got a lot of nuance to it. An enforced trope for budget and time limitations. Such as in Deadpool, where Deadpool loses all of his gear and he only has his swords and pistols because they because he left his all his weapons in uh, Dopender's car. Right? That was in that was done on purpose because they they got their budget cut like out of nowhere, so they just had to improvise and cut the budget down somehow. Right? So I'm guessing what they did is that they got rid of all those those studio guns. Cause here's here's a funny here's a funny bit of trivia. Those guns you see in movies, they're real. Right? They are functioning. They actually work. But what you have to do for movies is you have to you have to basically pay a lease. So that for such and such amount of days you have to pay such and such amount. And you basically rent the guns and then you give them back on a per day basis. So I'm guessing what happened is that the budget got cut so they couldn't keep those guns for that long. So they had to give them back because the lease was getting expensive. So I'm guessing that's what happened there. Just a little bit of trivia in case you didn't know. You, there's like an entire like like a whole – what's the word I'm looking for? Like a warehouse in like Arizona or Nevada or something. Wherever Ho – uh, not Hollywood. Uh, wherever Las Vegas is. They have like a whole warehouse full of studio guns. They have guns from like Transformers and and uh, Battle LA and stuff, and it's really cool. I want to go there one day. But that's an instance in which the that that enforced trope is happening because of budget and time limitations. But we got other instances of invoked trope where this happens in universe where a character is making a trope happen because they are aware that it is a trope, which is incredibly, incredibly, uh, incredibly meta. Such as when, when in Bumblebee, uh, what's his name? I want to say his name is like Nemo. What's his name? I forget his name. I know the girl is Charlie. The girl's name is Charlie, but what's the guy's name? I forgot. Mimo, Mimo. I was close. It's Mimo. Um, but it's there's an invoked trope where you have insta insta romance, insta love, where Mimo tries to like hold Charlie's hand and kind of like start a relationship, like in the first Transformers, where Shia LaBeouf holds. Megan Fox's hand, and they, they just have a relationship by the next movie, which is really in really intense and very quick, if you ask me. Um, in that movie, it's tried to it, he tried to invoke it, and then it's subverted when Charlie goes, "Oh no, no, you're moving too fast," which is guess what? That's how girls in the real world were 
react, you fucking freak. But yeah, um, yeah, that's that's an invoked trope where a character in universe tries to make a trope happen, right? And then what else? You got subverted trope, which we're not even going to talk about that because we've already talked about subversion. Averted is fun because it's when it's when you set up a trope just to like dodge it not to not to change it not to hint it oh wow i'm saying it wrong yeah so a subverted trope is when you hint that a trope is going to happen and you dodge it an averted trope is when you never allude to it and the audience sets up that expectation and then it's never followed up on yeah like the audience like sets it up but the 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 writer never even thought about the trope such as i remember one of the things that my editor said for blur havoc 2 was that she thought that ozzy was going to admit that he had feelings for melanie at one point and i was just like huh wait what <laughs> i was like wait rachel what what do you mean you thought he was going to... What? <laughs> I don't know where you got that from. That's an averted trope because there's a trope in which there is the... Like, you know, the trope of the the nerdy the nerdy tech guy that isn't as handsome as, like, you know, like the, the quote-unquote jock character. Because by comparison, Alistair is a jock compared to Ozzy. Because Alistair is, like, fit, like... He's, like, a fit, like, almost built, like... As a matter of fact... I designed Alistair to be in the same body structure as, like, Bumblebee from the Michael Bay movies. Like, Alistair is, like, proportionally like Bumblebee where he's, like, got muscles for, like, his biceps and his calves. And he's he's a very fit fellow. While Ozzy is a slender, tall guy. He's a slender, six-foot-tall guy, right? So you would expect that Ozzy would have these reserved feelings for Melanie. And... And he would, like, keep them repressed because, you know, he doesn't think he has a chance or something. And it's like, I was just like, wait, you thought that? <laughs> Which is just nuts to me because I that didn't even pass my mind, right? That didn't even, that didn't even register with me. But when I, read when I looked back and read Blur Havoc 2, I was like, you know? You know? Like, I was like, that actually, you know, that actually makes sense. So that's what happens with an averted trope is that either by design or by sheer ignorance, the the author or the writer completely missed a trope because they just because they just did they weren't aware of it or they just didn't know or they weren't paying attention or they didn't even want to address that trope trope existed. A defied trope, however, is when the characters in universe are aware of a trope and they try their hardest to avoid it and they succeed for the most part such as in my earlier example with the horror movie characters running up the stairs when that in all honesty is the dumbest thing ever because they because they they just get trapped upstairs and there's nowhere to go right a defied trope would be if the character ran away from the monster looked at the stairs and said that is the dumbest possible thing i could do and they run outside that is a defied trope 
the characters acknowledging that the trope exists and they do their best to avoid it. So there, there, there are different ways that you can take the tropes that exist and then modify them in very fun and interesting ways. So in all honesty, you may not have an, you may not have a totally original story. Your story may have tropes. You may not, you may have this idea that you had originally and then you look at a trope and realize, wow, I'm not the first person to have this dumbass idea, right? But what you can do is you could take these modifiers, you could subvert it, defy it, enforce it, like double down on it by enforcing it. You can avert it by not knowing it exists or knowing that it exists and pretending that it doesn't. And there are just a number of different ways you can have fun with these tropes. So don't don't take it personally. When I say that your story isn't original, because nobody's story is original. My story isn't original. Because here's the thing. Here's the thing. My stories, what they are, they're just my interpretations of stories that I saw that had legitimate potential. But the writer or the director screwed it up. To name a few. To name a few, there's The Last Jedi, The Rise of Skywalker... There's The Amazing Spider-Man 2, there's Avengers Endgame, there's um, there's Batman v Superman, there's a bunch of different movies that I saw that had so much potential to be good, but because the director or the writer just shit the bed at the last minute, they just didn't, they just didn't get it right. Like, in case you didn't know, the Knights of Haken, or the Knights of the Blood, or, look man, whichever part of the book you're at, I don't know, but, um... That was a mild spoiler. <laughs> um, yeah, the Knights of the Blood. Yeah, they're a direct response to the Knights of, of Ren because the Knights of Ren have been treated so poorly in the, the sequel trilogy. They were treated poorly in the sequel trilogy. So that's my, my response to that by creating these four characters that have the basically the exact same function but done in a way that you know, executed in a way that makes sense and actually strengthens the story instead of just adding nonsense to it. If I'm not mistaken, Ryan Johnson said that in The Last Jedi, if he had the Knights of Ren, he would have just killed him, which is a waste of time. It's a waste of time. Why introduce them just to kill them? Oh, wait, no. Ryan Johnson said he was going to do that, and then J.J. Abrams actually did that. Isn't that funny? Isn't it funny when people that are just hack writers and don't do the time and, and you know, and don't exert the effort to like pay attention to what the hell they're writing so they just end up writing gobbledygook isn't it fun when that happens it, it doesn't cause me a migraine to watch it when i pirated it does it no no it doesn't mm -mm, nah mm -mm. nope it doesn't and i'm, I'm and the the new jj abrams black superman thing that's not going to give me a headache either nope mm -mm. nah it's not it's not trust me it's gonna be fine you know, I'm not saying, okay, so let me be real here. I'm not saying, I'm not saying that you doing your research and looking at TV tropes all day is going to make you a great writer. It's not. Hell, I don't know if I'm a great writer. I don't know. But all I can say is that doing, taking time to look at TV tropes and understanding that, you know, every story has already been told before. Every plot twist, every moment has already been done before. It really allows you to be a lot more level-handed, a lot more level-headed, and a lot calmer when you realize that this shit's been done before. 
it definitely lowers the stakes and it causes you to be a lot calmer. It causes you to realize that you are effectively a nobody. And that's fine to be a nobody. Because it keeps you humble, it keeps you it keeps you calm realizing that the stakes are very low. You don't have to create the next the next Iliad or the Odyssey or whatever, right? Or whatever story Homer is in, right? Is that the one with the Odyssey? Whatever. You don't have to make the next one, is what I'm saying. And that's fine. So, yeah. We're at 30, about 37, 38 minutes. So, I'm going to finish this moonshine. And I'm just, I'm just chilling, man. Because this is the second episode I've recorded today. And I've already had a bit of moonshine. And, um, yeah, the room's starting to spin. So, I'll see you guys on the next episode of the Blur Havoc Podcast. I'm your host, Alistair Haken. We just made it bookends. Look at that. That's a trope, too. Oh, my God. I'm on a roll, bro. This is... This is absolutely nuts, man. Thank you for listening to the Blur Havoc podcast. Purchase the Blur Havoc book series on Amazon Kindle or paperback today. 